0: The year is 1882, the world's first electric power supply stations opened in London and then in New York, bringing electricity to homes, to factories and offices. It was a momentous time in human history, a technology of unprecedented power and versatility was just about to transform the daily lives of common people. However, as dazzling as its early demonstrations were, many people were also sceptical about it. They were worried about the potential dangers that this technology would bring. The Smithsonian Magazine recalls that electricity companies had to convince businesses to actually adopt it. Only a few people realised what a paradigm shift electricity was about to create in society. Let's fast forward to 1991, over a century later, when the World Wide Web became available to the public. Once again, in its early days, it was mostly the preserve of enthusiasts and hobbyists. The sheer power and impact of the web was still not clear to the public at large. In fact, sceptics even called it the machinery of domination. But in a few short years again, the World Wide Web and the internet convinced people to embrace it and today it has brought the world closer like never before You and I both can attest to that Right now we are poised at a similar juncture with another piece of technology Artificial Intelligence We talk about it We read about it We hear about it on podcasts like this one and it's already in the process of transforming our lives profoundly But for most of us Artificial intelligence is still in the realm of mystery and magic. We don't know what goes on inside the box. But we know it's something great and powerful. And I understand that makes us skeptical. Every generation has had to negotiate their relationship with new technologies that have the potential to impact their lives. Every generation has had to contend with the power that these new technologies possess. And the only way to assure people about the good that a new technology can do, is by using it responsibly. Which is why I thought, in this last episode of this season, we ought to look at how AI can be deployed responsibly. I mean, how can AI be used in a way that maximizes the benefit to all of us, while minimizing any possible harm? How can practitioners of AI ensure that they are innovating with integrity? From ATS Studio and Microsoft India, this is Paradigm Shift, stories of innovation shaped by intelligence. I'm Harsha Bukhle.
1: So responsible innovation really rejects the false duality that you can either make money or do good. (laughs) And, And I personally deeply believe that Responsible innovation is, is needed more than ever in today's world.
0: This is Jean-Philippe Courtois, the executive vice president and president National Transformation Partnerships at Microsoft. Courtois has spent nearly four decades at Microsoft.
1: It contradicts the, uh, you know, the, the old Milton Friedman philosophy that used to say that the sole purpose of cooperation is to maximize your order value. And instead what he does, responsible, a responsible company, responsible innovation is about embracing the belief that the very best companies are only going to be created at the intersection of financial and societal return.
0: Now isn't that a powerful
1: idea? You need to anchor your company day one as you start in the real sense of mission. As you have that mission, you also want to make sure you, you complement the mission with some core values and principles. You know, I think in our case, we decided to make sure that as we realize our mission, we want to realize that mission, but really landing it uh, across four principles. The first one is to, to drive an inclusive economic opportunity so that that additional GDP growth we're talking about, as you know, there's data points saying that today tech really drives up to 5% of the GDP uh, spend in the world. And it it will grow, it's going to grow actually up to 10% by 2030. Well, there be an inclusive economy opportunity, not just for for those, the the nations, the communities that are the most, but really for all.
0: In India, the IT industry already contributes 8% of the GDP. One can only imagine how this is going to grow by 2030. And that makes it imperative to make sure that benefits from this growth are inclusive.
1: Two, it's about earning trust. I'm sure we'll come back to that later. Uh, super critical, of course, if you are a tech company. Third, is protecting from fundamental rights for people, and fourth, building a stable future. And so, as we do that, I think from inception of any company, you know, uh, you know, moving away just from Microsoft, you got to anchor your company with a few core principles, with a mission. And then really have that uh, development of a, of a common consciousness with your team, your, your developers, your product team, your customer success teams, uh, whatever are the roles in your company to truly, truly think through the way you apply your core principles in the way you design technology.
0: So that's a good starting point, isn't it? to have a few core principles with a mission and build a consensus among your team towards achieving those principles. Let's get specific to AI in particular. As you've heard over the course of this podcast, AI covers a range of technologies that are essentially trying to make the ability of machines to see, hear, understand, evaluate and respond to inputs at a scale and speed that we've never seen before. And so, like I said at the start of this episode, naturally, something so powerful and enigmatic can elicit a fear of the unknown. Often the question asked is, is AI going to take over the world?
2: So actually, you know, this the, uh, this, this is a question I get asked many times, right? By family, friends, everybody asks, you know, is AI going to take over? You know, it is, is it going to just control all our lives? You know, is it going to, uh, you know, like the Terminator movie, you know, is AI going to just take over, right? Can that be the bad thing that can happen to AI, right?
0: This is Sriram Rajamani, Distinguished Scientist and Managing Director at Microsoft Research India. Sriram leads Microsoft Research's lab in India and oversees the cutting edge work that is being done there, including in the field of AI. Rajamani doesn't think the real concern is whether AI will take over the world.
2: Actually, you know, I'm a very realist, right? Because I understand technology. I don't see that happening anytime now, but I'm really worried about the other thing, which is that in our exuberance about, you know, what all AI can do, that we do a shoddy job and deploy it early, you know? So I'm not worried about the AI just conquering people, right? I'm just worried about it just making wrong decisions and us actually relying on these decisions without even understanding or understanding the limitations of the AI, right?
0: This is the key issue that is at the core of the entire discussion about responsible AI, understanding the limitations of AI. While AI is prodigiously capable, it's not flawless or limitless. And an understanding of what these limitations are is essential to deploy AI technologies responsibly.
2: Humans can make decisions. If we record those decisions long enough, we can actually train an AI model to do the same. And then the AI model starts mimicking the decisions that humans have made. So for example, right, you can actually take data from diagnosing thousands and thousands of X-rays where a radiologist has diagnosed something as a tumor or not a tumor. And you can actually train an AI agent to do that. If you deploy that too early, right, the risk you have is that that algorithm may have learned how to make those decisions for X-rays that look like what you have trained for.
0: Microsoft actually has a checklist, a set of principles that guide its AI deployments. And these principles are not an afterthought or incidental to the technology. They are fundamental to the development of the technology and are crucial from day one. What does this checklist look like and how are these principles actually applied? For instance, let's look at one of the principles, fairness. This principle basically wants companies to ensure that AI models do not discriminate across categories of people in its operation. That developers take steps to ensure that any sense of bias is eliminated when the model actually works with people. Rajamani told us about one case where fairness became a unique challenge.
2: Using AI to screen loan applications, for example, right? Uh, I mean, I really important risk that one has to think about is actually, you know, if you think about how an AI model will decide actually you know, whether somebody is credit worthy, if you sort of think about it, right? I mean, the way, the way to do that would be to look at past information from banks that lenders have, lenders have. Tell me the last 10 million people you have given loans to and tell me who has returned the loan and who has not paid back the loan, right? And then I'm going to train an AI agent to say if a new person now comes, right? This person, does this person looks like a person who has actually returned the loan, or does this person look like a person who has actually not returned the loan? Right? See, the problem with this is that we have had biases. We have had, you know, we have all, for example, I am sure that we have actually given more loans to men than women, right? Because of how our society is, how our inherent biases are, right? But now if you train an AI model for that, right? When a new person comes, right, what we are now asking is actually not whether this person is credit worthy. We are asking the question, does this person look like the other person people whom we have given successfully loans in the past? Maybe this person is a woman and maybe this person is completely capable of paying the loan back. But maybe we have not given such loans to people in the past, right? So this is actually goes to fairness, right?
0: It's great that AI has some incredible solutions to some of our pressing problems. But like in the case of loan apps that Rajamani told us about, what if AI comes up with an outcome that is not optimum? For example, take this situation that the insurance company ICICI Lombard experienced. Like most insurance companies, ICICI Lombard has something called a break-in inspection. That is, before agreeing to insure your car, they need to check if there is any pre-existing damage. If there are no damages, then the company accordingly processes your insurance application. To make this entire assessment faster and more efficient, ICICI Lombard developed an AI solution. This too was in collaboration with Microsoft.
3: We've developed an AI-based model where uh, just using your, uh, using our app, you can uh, upload a few photographs of a vehicle and the uh, AI determines whether there is any damage on the vehicle or not. And if there is no damage, Uh, it uh, allows uh, allows you to buy new insurance. This is Girish Nayak,
0: Chief Customer Service, Operations and Technology at ICICI Lombard. The company uses Microsoft's Azure Cloud and AI for everything, from customer onboarding, to claims processing, to auditing its call centers, even for this model to assess damages. Now, coming back to my original question, what if, while assessing the car, the AI comes up with a less favourable outcome. What if it concludes that there's damage to the
3: vehicle when there isn't? So, when I mentioned the uh, break-in inspection, uh, customer can take uh, photographs of uh, her vehicle and upload it. If it's a straight-through where there's no damage detected, policy gets issued. If there is some damage with the AI detects, it will not be rejected. It will go into a queue where a uh, human will look at it and then make sure that there's does actual damage. Only then will uh, uh, action it. There's no automatic rejection by AI. Automatic approval by AI is always there, but no rejection happens uh, straight through by AI. So that's that's what I call uh, work, uh, working in the benefit of the customer rather than uh, against it. and. Also, this other thing that we get from this kind of a setup is that whenever we look at the rejected cases, there's a feedback that the human who is uh, you're looking at the rejected cases puts into the system. And that feedback helps us in refreshing and recalibrating our models. So that is a kind of double check uh, built-in, kind of the fairness of the whole decision making uh, gets uh, added to the system. Hmm. In general, deploying
0: AI properly it's quite crucial to ensure that technology doesn't cause any harm to anyone. Rajamani explains this better with his example.
2: You may have, in the West you may have heard about you know, self-driving cars that you know, without a driver, they drive on the roads, right? You know Here we have a researcher who worked on how can this kind of computer vision technology work in India,? Right? And his conclusion, which I think is the right one, is actually even if there is a driver, AI can actually help make the driving safer. Right, um, uh, and it actually makes more sense to me because unlike the Western roads, right, the way our roads are structured and the way our traffic, you know, one day I was driving by uh, Bellari road and there's a horse galloping by my side. I don't think any AI model can actually account for that, right? There's going to be cows, there's so many things. it's so unpredictable what you can encounter in a road today. It's very unlikely that you know an SL driving car is going to work in India, right? So what this guy did was that he actually put in a camera. And he observes the driver driving and he also observes actually the field of view, looks at the sensors, and the AI assesses whether the driver is driving safely.
0: Rajamani is referring to HAMS. H-A-M-S is short for Harnessing Automobiles for Safety, a technology developed at Microsoft's lab in Bengaluru. HAMS uses a smartphone's cameras and its other sensors to evaluate how a driver is driving and give them actionable feedback.
2: Right, so here actually we have human and the AI is actually giving actually hints to the human as to whether the human is driving property, whether it can watch, whether, you know, you are talking on your cell phone, whether you are tired, whether you are actually looking at the mirrors before turning and all of that. And that all that AI can do. And it turns out that that system that we built called HAMS, right, is now being used in many RTOs in India to do automated driver licensing test, right, to actually uh, check whether a person has learned driving skills before we give them license, right?
0: Fascinating, no? But till now, the problems you've heard about are all those that we've been able to anticipate in advance and plan for. What about problems that we have no idea about? Currently, we're still analyzing and looking at the technology through known prisms. However, something like AI is so vast and all-encompassing that we may not always know the kind of problems we should even expect which means that we need to add another layer in our innovation. The need to proceed with these technologies in a measured, cautious, step-by-step manner.
2: You know, if you look at actually how most people are using medical assistance in AI, right, to even diagnose tumors or things like that, the AI actually points to regions of the MRI or the X-ray or something, and it actually gives information. And then when a doctor looks at all of them and actually makes those decisions, right? So I think most people, the way they use this actually, they use AI as a productivity boost for a human to make decisions, right? And then after enough experience with such a system, right? People now say that, oh, under these circumstances, I've now been working with this, using the system for one year, two years, I'm automatically saying yes to all of these things, right? Then they sort of turn it on. So this is how, you know, people have been uh, using these systems, right? Now, the way one has to think about the unknown is that you need to have constant monitoring of these kinds of systems to see there has to be audit of how these systems did in the past one month, two months, and so on to see, you know, even though these decisions are automated, right? Someone has to just, humans have to just monitor them constantly, know that actually that certain things are happening and, you know, that kind of engineering process has to be in place.
0: Mm, Right. So we've gone over the many aspects of responsible AI so far, but they've mostly been about deploying the technology in the right manner and then closely monitoring it after. But responsible innovation also extends in another direction, and that is the very foundation of a business. Today, there's a fundamentally new way of doing business where social benefit is at the forefront of the enterprise's core business model. We spoke to one such business a startup in Bengaluru called FluxGen. FluxGen helps industries and commercial facilities reduce their water consumption.
4: I realized that all the problems that we are facing in this world is because of something called as tragedy of commons. Uh, Trying to take uh, personal growth or personal selfish motives, taking over the societal benefits at large.
2: This is
0: Ganesh Shankar founder of Flux Gen, Ganesh has been passionate about environmental issues from a very young age.
4: So what I realized then when I grew up is that the lakes around Bangalore all disappeared to become localities. So now you are supposed to take water all the way from 120 kilometers from Kaveri. That is because we actually made these lakes as buildings, right? Now, is it possible to build lakes again in Bangalore? may not be possible you can't actually really construct lakes or for that matter any water catchment is a huge civil engineering effort what can i do as an engineer what can i do as a person who's uh, trained in technology and uh, science to realize that this is a water that is getting wasted which can be saved instead of you constructing a lot of lakes, which is not possible anyway, can you save that water wastage and ensure that you save equivalent to hundreds of lakes?
0: That's an ambitious mission, but that is precisely what FluxGen does. FluxGen deploys a solution that uses data from IoT-enabled water flow meters, water level sensors, pressure sensors, and various other sensors in the water infrastructure to identify leakage, wastage, excessive usage, and reduces the water consumption in an establishment by up to 30%. It then uses Microsoft Azure and artificial intelligence models to analyze the data from these sensors and to give clients valuable real time advice on where and how they can reap water savings in their operations. In fact, FluxGen solutions have been implemented in establishments as varied as dairy farms and hotels. So
4: that's what we do. Uh, our goal is to save a billion litre of water per day and help our uh, business, help businesses and this commercial facilities to become water positive.
0: The great thing about FluxGen is that it not only promotes social good by helping the environment, in the process, it helps companies save money as well.
4: So what it means is uh, when we are saving water, you're basically saving money for them. So basically, water by itself, there's a cost associated, to it, which is, by the way, increasing uh, drastically over the last few years, right? But on the other hand, the water that is used by industry also means there's energy associated to pumping, purifying, recycling, chilling, boiling. So if there is a wastage of water, that much amount of energy that was going into this water is also getting wasted. That means there is a financial implication associated to... Wasting
0: of water. Companies like FluxGen are at the forefront of the movement that Jean-Philippe Courtois spoke about at the start of the episode, where enterprises are balancing both social good and their bottom line. In fact, this is the only way forward for companies, the only fruitful way of doing business, like Courtois says here.
1: When you reflect on what's been going on in the world, whether you live in the world, I think differently, of course, in the US, in Europe, in Asia, in India, in Africa. Uh, there's a realization that as a company, as a business, if you don't have a meaningful mission and and way of doing some good things in, in a very defined way, your employees are going to move away from your company. Number two, if you mistreat uh, or don't treat well, you know, people in your supply chain, uh, employees, but also the same when it, when it comes to Maybe not applying responsible innovations, we just discussed it, not being trusted as well. Uh, you know, you're gonna have big problems with your customers. And we see customers as you're moving away from brands who don't show up in the right way when it comes to you know all the social issues we are talking about. And and and, and last not least, you've got the same with your shareholders. (laughs) So this is what we call the multi-stakeholders. Governance, Which is the fact that you cannot just give lip service to your customers, to your people, to your communities, uh, and and only focus on the shareholders.
0: A big company like Larsen & Toubro recognized this pretty early, especially when it came to climate change and the role that they could play in reducing emissions. They realized that it was about time too. After all, they have an employee count of nearly 175,000 people and have a labor force of nearly 300,000.
5: So we looked at all our offices, our manufacturing facilities, or campuses. The way we go about, we, we went through all the parameters, whether it is water consumption to water harvesting to the green buildings that we have to the, to the UNK values of the facade that we have in the buildings.
0: This is S.N. Subramanyam the Chief Executive Officer and Managing Director of Larsen and Tubro. And here he is, speaking to Microsoft India's President, Anant Maheshwari.
5: We looked at uh, the governance structures, we looked at male-female ratios within various parts of the company. We looked at um, the, the, the use, uh, consumption of power, whether it is is using uh, microgrids and stuff like that. We're totally dependent on Black Power, Whether you can uh, use uh, solar and renewable powers.
0: So, a team at LNT made a detailed assessment of all these factors, and then drew up a plan and put dates and names alongside concrete deliverables. And therefore,
5: we have put uh, action by date by various people on all these aspects, and there's a clear roadmap up to twenty forty when we believe we'd be more or less uh, carbon neutral and uh, zero water uh, discharge company.
0: Isn't it heartening to see? that companies are actively thinking about this, about being responsible stakeholders of this planet, of giving back to the place that lets them flourish. Right, this deliberation on responsible innovation is an ongoing one and will have to be continued as more and more companies do their bit in both detecting the ethical conundrums that new technologies throw up and then finding sustainable ways to address those issues. Specifically, as AI grows in power and scale and spread across industries, both of these aspects will be crucial to ensure that just like electricity and the internet, a technology of profound power and versatility serves humankind in the best way possible. We've come to the end of this podcast and I hope you've had as much fun as me in taking a peek into all the good that AI is making possible in India. From making weather predictions more accurate, to breaking down language barriers, from boosting a sportsperson's game by helping him or her fine-tune their game, to using algorithms to save the planet, the possibilities are truly endless. Like I said at the start of this podcast, this is just the start of a long conversation whose time has come, especially in a country like ours, where there's hardly any shortage of talent, innovation and intelligence. So did this series get you thinking? What role are you going to play in shaping the technology we use today or the technology we'll create for our tomorrow? One thing is for sure, you and I, we are together on this journey of staying curious. For now, this is me, Harsha Bhugle signing off. Thank you for listening. I'm Harsha Bhugle and you've been listening to Paradigm Shift, a podcast produced by Microsoft India in association with ATS Studio. Gauravaz is our executive producer and Archana Nathan is our producer. This podcast was made possible by the amazing team at Microsoft India, including Charu Sharma, Rohini Srivatsa, Rajat Agarwal, Sriram Parthasarathy and Somanna Palakanda. Charu and Sri help structure and shape the podcast with their thoughtful feedback and helping us connect the various dots. This episode was researched and written by Vinay Aruvind. Vinay has also conducted all the interviews you heard. The title track, sound design and background score for this podcast was created by Nikhil Rao, Avyay Gujral, and Abhijit Nath. All clips and voices used in this podcast are owned by the original creators, and we have provided links to the sources in our show notes. To read full transcripts of our episodes and additional information about the podcast, follow the link in our show notes. To learn how Microsoft is working to empower every developer to innovate, every organization to transform industries and every individual to transform society through its differentiated microsoft ai and innovation vision please visit the microsoft ai link in the show notes